0: Welcome back to Formate Arbitration, and today we're going to get into the first episode of the Memphis Arbitration. I've been talking about it for several weeks, and I'm going to break it down into about four or five episodes. It'll be uh, the testimony uh, during the arbitration. If y'all remember, I talked about the joint statement case out of Memphis, where the arbitrator removed the district manager and three other managers and uh, this entire case was audiotaped by management by labor because they were going to do a brief, and so they have to give me a copy of that. And so what you're going to hear is the second day of testimony. The first day was all Jason Atchley for us. That was the entire day, and he did a fantastic job. The second day we came back about a month later, and the second day is all management. Uh, you're going to hear direct questioning from their advocate, and then cross-examination from me. Uh, the arbitrator loves to talk. He's brand new, so he was really wanting to know things, and he would stop you know, the hearing and, and ask a lot of questions. You're going to hear that. I've edited out the names as best as I could. In the episode today, we're going to just deal with the postal inspector. He was the very first witness for management. And y'all know how I feel about postal inspectors. But I'll talk about that in just a second before I get into it. But we'll have about four or five episodes of that, all right? And that way y'all can get into an arbitration if you've never been in one and kind of experience that. I think it. some may find it boring, some may find it very interesting, but we're going to put it up anyway. A couple of things before we get into that. Your hip training. Your hip training is being falsified again. I talked about this last week. And a lot of people have sent me screenshots where their hip training is being falsified. I had a couple of B team members send me theirs where they were done the training on a, on a Saturday. And, uh, obviously they don't work on Saturday, but it's being done again. And so they've, uh, asked for all the hip cases to be sent interpretive labor has and here we are didn't get a ruling on an interpretive issue and they're falsifying the hip training again and uh I just think we should have taken a, a harder stance on that you all know how I feel about that uh not everybody agrees with me and that's good <laughs> I, i'm i'm completely on one side i don't care about management at all none yeah, and i'm a completely hardliner when it comes to the union and carriers, and so uh, a lot of people don't agree with me. I just I want to read this to you because I thought it was funny. Somebody sent me sent it to me. I didn't see it, and somebody sent a screenshot to me, and uh and this is what it said. And and uh, we. We've been having a good time with it. I put it up on Formate Arbitration, the Facebook page, and here's what the screenshot said. And this is what they put on the National Association of Letter Carriers, their uh, Facebook page. This guy says, <laughs> Does everyone else think that Corey Walton is as whiny as my office does? And uh, this person commented below. He said, Yeah, he's a hypocritical puss. <laughs> I'm going to take it. I will take it that these two individuals don't care for my podcast. <laughs> but uh, I thought that was funny. <laughs> this, this guy that sent me the screenshot, he said, hey, man, I don't think that everybody agrees with you. <laughs> and I said, I'm going to say you're right. <laughs> but they said, does everyone else think that Corey Walton is as whiny as my office does? <laughs> All I can tell you, my friend, is I'm glad you're listening. <laughs> I'm like that car wreck. You don't want to look at it, but you just got to. <laughs> That's me. You don't want to listen to me, but damn it, you just got to, to see what I got to say. And, uh, so that's fine. Whether you like me or not, as long as you're listening, that's good. And my man says, yeah, <laughs> he's a hypocritical puss. <laughs> 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 that's terrible. But, um, anyway, we had a lot of good comments. The funniest comment <laughs> was this one though. <laughs> and if you know my mother, he- You know, she's 80 something years old and she would still whip my ass. She still thinks I'm 10 and in Sunday school. And so this guy, he says, (laughs) he says, Corey, I really do enjoy your podcast and its content. I just wish you would stop using the cuss words. And a lot of people feel that way. And I feel that way. (laughs) I don't like cussing. I don't. And, uh, but I get on here and, and I get agitated about shit, and fuck, the next thing you know, I'm fucking cussing all the time. But uh, I don't want to cuss. It just fucking comes out sometimes. But anyway, this dude says, Corey, uh, I really do enjoy your podcast and its content. I just wish you would stop cuss using the cuss words. Well, my mom comes in, because she follows from 8 arbitration." <laughs> She puts the dude's name with a question mark. Well, he ain't putting two and two together. My name's Corey Walton, and hers is Doris Walton. He ain't putting two and two together, so my man comes back <laughs> even stronger. Says my mom's name, why the question mark? Don't you listen to the podcast? He's always using the F word in some form or other. Like I said, I like the podcast and the content he puts out there. I just get a bit annoyed when he starts with the F word. <laughs> I'm like, gum, dude. You're burying me. And so I just came back and I said, he's kidding, mom. (laughs) Okay. He don't know my mother. She would still come over here and beat my ass at 80 something years old. Hell, I'm 54. But uh, I just thought, I was like, man, my dude is burying me right here. You better use your your head for something other than put a hat on, baby. You got to put those two names together (laughs) and realize you're burying me. (laughs) Because <laughs> uh, the only th- uh, three people I'm scared of, my mom, my dad, and God. But I thought that was funny. But uh, I forgive you, my man. You didn't know, so uh, yeah. <laughs> Try to get me killed. But anyway, not everybody likes me. Not everybody agrees with me, and that's wonderful. If everybody's like me, we'd be in trouble, I guess. I'm a hardliner, man. I'm a hard liner I'm for the city letter care, and I don't care about anything else nothing uh people question how I can represent people I do. I'm for the city letter care period i really I don't care about jack Shit other than that, and like I always said, I don't care what you've done. I'm gonna be there for you, and that's just how I am uh on from aid arbitration uh the uh reddit page. Uh, people took exception a few people took exception we talking about the b teams making more you know they give shit decisions they don't need making more money my opinion is my opinion and uh, your opinion is yours and that, like i always say that's why they make vanilla and chocolate ice cream because not everybody wants vanilla you know somebody had to come up with some other flavors because not everybody feels the same or thinks the same uh, i'll say this when you have positions of importance with this union you better give them some kind of motivation to do that i know there are b teams out there there's one in particular i see all the time that just gives straight shit decisions and and we pray that our cases don't get sent there because they just give shit decisions and uh, i know a lot of b teams a lot of people have issues with b teams you've heard me on here with issues about the b team and um But again, it all comes back to the business agent's office. If they would take a hard line on positions, all that would be corrected. When I said that the national president needs to bring all the B teams up there and sit down with them and say, this is what we're going to do. This is what I want to see. Uh, All that stuff would be corrected. It's very easily correctable. And if they don't do that, then you get rid of it. But you've got to pay them more money. He was like, why will we pay them a penny more? I think you need to pay them substantially more. Like I said in the episode last week, I don't think it needs to be pennies. I think it needs to be substantial. But you need to tell them what you want. And that's the problem that we have. There's a miscommunication at that level. Uh, the business agent's office uh, are are pieces of shit in a lot of these areas. And so when you have that, you get B-team decisions that don't recognize issues a lot of people send me decisions where they have an issue of an article 15 non-compliance the b team will pay the non-compliance won't say anything about the violation about article 15 no cease and desist won't even recognize article 15 or they'll have discipline as well as an article 17 and 31 violation well they'll remove the discipline but there's nothing about the 17 and 31 violation i still have a 17 and 31 violation they didn't give me uh, information. So we need to address that as well. So I agree with all of that. I think that if I send up five issues, every issue should be addressed. Every single one of them should be addressed. Whether you don't agree with it or not, uh, whether you say that I didn't support it or not, if I send up five issues, all five issues should be addressed. That's the way I feel because I made those an issue. When we don't address them, you don't educate me. And I think the B team decisions are meant to educate us. I remember when JB first started when we were talking about grievances, and he'd say, What do you think about that? And I say, Man, I don't know. You know, send it up and let's be educated about it. And so we need to be educated with B team decisions. They set precedent. They're very important. And so I understand those people that say, Man, they don't need any money. I understand your position. I don't agree with it at all. I I completely support them making substantially more money because it, it hauls me that I sit across the desk from somebody making substantially more than me. It belittles me. And, and I hate to think of that. And uh, the position is just too damn important. And, um, so if you're not on Reddit, get on Reddit, <laughs> the for aid arbitration, Reddit page. There's a lot of great stuff going on there, man. A lot of great stuff. If you go to from Uh, It'll prompt you to that Reddit page, all right? And uh, get on there. There's a lot of great stuff, a lot of great uh, conversations, uh, a lot of different opinions and ideas. And I love all of that. I respect all of that. I truly do. Uh, But I just have my opinion. And I think that it's just too damn important for us to go in there and be humiliated by sitting across from somebody making substantially more. That's just how I feel. Discord as well. Get on there. Uh, again, go to formatearbitration.com and get on discord. Uh, there's great minds on discord. A lot of great minds on discord. They're talking about stuff all the time and they got very good channels on there as well. Off topic, uh, got grievance starters and things like that. And so discord is a very good resource. Reddit is too. And so get on both of those things. But, uh, back to hip It's being falsified. still get get on your hip training and uh it'll show that it's being falsified and uh i don't know what we're going to do with it i mean you know we grieved the shit out of it this last time and uh, so labor finally sends it up interpretive we have no position from from national on it uh, there's nothing from the business agent's office most of them uh you know i told you some of them fight it but it, it's still being falsified i gave that episode last week talk about your hip being falsified all week long people were sending me uh, screenshots where their hip training was being falsified so uh i don't know what you do you know if you get with your business agents some of them you know they're, they're too busy getting drunk getting high to worry about it but so i don't know where we go with it honestly we grieved the hell out of it last time no position from national but I just keep on grieving. Fuck it. Keep on grieving, sending it up, let them deal with it. But, you know, management got away with a big one there. Uh, a lot of items being sent to me that that I'm going to address, that people ask me to address, and I'm going to do it. Uh, here's one of them. And he says, uh, my name is so-and-so, president of this branch. I would like to propose an agenda item for the COP. I'm concerned with the use of the interpretive step to effectively stall the grievance procedure. Our local branch filed a grievance for scanners recording incorrect time clock entries and attacks. In this grievance, we provided a video of a carrier clocking in for the day and the corresponding incorrect time clock entry, which recorded the time as one unit later than it actually occurred. This is indisputable theft of wages from letter carriers, and yet it has vanished into the interpretive vault. Similarly, grievances filed across the country on the falsification of heat stress training have been redirected to an interpretive ruling at some point in the future. These grievances have been filed to address safety training for letter carriers and the failure to reach a ruling could result in injury or the death to our brothers and sisters. This is not acceptable. The presidents of the NELC need to stand up united to demand accountability from our national team on how long these interpretive rulings will delay the adjudication of our grievances being held at this level. Thank you. And I love that. I absolutely love that. We need accountability. We have got to get accountability from both sides. Now, these interpretive issues just going into this well of nothingness and To be heard from. I mean, you're talking about rural city disputes. Where in the hell is that at? But I I like this a lot. And so I appreciated this gentleman sending it to me. Uh, I really like that. Here's another one. This person sent me this. It says, our vice president presented the attached resolution proposal to our executive board on 27-2024. Now, all these will be up on formatearbitration.com, okay? Because I think Jeremy's going to keep a running tab on these things. Our board recommended support of the resolution, and it was further presented to our branch membership on 2-14-2024. The motion to support this resolution passed unanimously at our membership meeting and will be recorded in our membership meeting minutes. Please let us know if there's any additional information needed and if any further action on our part is needed at this time. And here it is, open and bargaining and contract campaign resolution. Whereas NELC national contract negotiations are a time when NELC members are most able to shape the direction of our union, the methods we use to fight our demands, and set the priorities we fight to improve the lives of letter carriers. Whereas the NELC's power in the fight for a strong contract is increased when the union involves and mobilizes its members and engages its customers, the American public, about the biggest issues facing letter carriers. The broader public can sympathize with our issues, including overwork and a rising cost of living while wages have stagnated, because they are fighting the same problems in their workplace. Whereas, having an active rank and file ensures the long-term viability of our proudly democratic union by creating new leaders and activists nationwide. Whereas other unions like the United Auto Workers, Teamsters, and Riders Guild of America have successfully conducted visible contract campaigns involving large numbers of members and the public to strengthen their negotiated position and make gains in pay, benefits, working conditions, and workplace dignity. Whereas many unions issue frequent bargaining updates with side-by-side comparisons of union and management proposals in order to increase transparency inform agitate and mobilize their members and the public therefore be it resolved that nlc branch 2200 calls to on the national nlc to one organize an active vibrant contract campaign that involves and mobilizes members and the public in stations and in the street throughout the country to help us achieve the strongest possible contract at the bargaining table. Two, hold rallies involving every branch leading up to the formal start of negotiations, highlighted our main demands, and throughout a contract campaign when necessary, activating the membership at certain key points in negotiations. Three, post frequent side-by-side bargaining updates of contract negotiations of the website and in NELC bulletins. And so there's another one on the open bargaining and contract campaign resolution, talking about Tyler Vassar, Minneapolis, the things that they're doing. So that's gaining steam. That's gaining momentum. We've had several of those, right? So that's great stuff. So those are a few things that are coming through. And I love all of them. I love all of them. And so you keep sending me those and I'll keep reading them, all right, and educating the public out there. Uh, the city letter carries as far as what's coming down, what to expect. All right. Here's another thing that was sent to me. And, and listen, our office time, stationary events, load times, those, I told you, those things are roaring back. Man, they are coming back strong. And there's no doubt that this is an initiative from, from headquarters, you know, sending these things down. They are coming back stronger than ever. And our business agents should have equipped y'all for this stuff. Uh, I'm getting hundreds of these screenshots a week where people are talking about things that we've talked about on here, but this person said they're pushing something called loading observations lately. Last year, they would notify us the <clears throat> with 24 hour notice. Starting this year, we have had a week of the supervisor just coming out and watching individuals load, filling out their forms and not saying anything at all before they do this. What should I tack on with grievances to put an end to this bullshit? And uh, they kept talking about uh, the 22 minute load time being pushed about the 22 minute load time. Now, look, as far as them coming out, watching you loading, uh, the 134, of the M39 is clear. It says to expect to be supervised on the street daily. There's nothing we can do about that. There's nothing we can do about that because. It talks about supervising on the street is just as important as supervising in the office. All right. So uh, if we're going to hold them to 134 as far as covert and spying, uh, they're going to hold us to the fact that they can come out and watch us on the street. And loading is a street function, but I would ask for the 4584. If they're going to continue to come out there, you know what they're doing. They're they're trying to bully us in a certain way as far as these load times. A lot of messages coming to me about these 22-minute load times. You know, what do we do about it? What do we do about it? There is no such thing as a 22-minute load time. Uh, again, they've bastardized these memos and taken that 22-minute uh, parameter and are trying to say that it's a standard. And so we will grieve those things, Okay. The stationary events is roaring back and uh, big time. I've done several episodes on how to defeat that. Um, But again, we've had no direction from our business agents. And I read you that thing where the the president wrote that letter saying, hey, you know, that's just an inconvenience. Um, So we're going to have to address that here locally. We're going to have to get together locally and attack that locally. All right. I'll educate you as much as I can on how to defeat it. I'll, keep, I'll continue to bring you sights. We'll continue to have grievance starters on it. Locally, we don't agree with the president nationally. <laughs> we just don't. Uh, he's not down here, so he doesn't understand the frustration. He hears it. He'll tell you he's listening to it, but he don't get it because uh, he wasn't down here. But locally, we'll continue to address it, all right? And so I just don't agree with it. I don't believe you can do it. As a, if, if you're dealing with stationary events, it's a street function because you're dealing with something I'm doing on the street, and that means you're going to treat me like I'm on the street. And uh, 134 tells you what you're going to do as far as street observations. And so that they can say, well, we're not observing you. You are. You're, that's exactly what you're doing. If you're dealing with anything on the street, it needs to be dealt with in accordance with 134 of the M39 handbook. The hour office times. I found the stuff that I was going to talk to y'all about. <laughs> what I may do is get Jeremy to put uh, JB's grievance on uh, from com. I'm going to do that. I'll do that. It'll be on this episode. All right. I'll send it to Jeremy. It's JB's grievance on the hour office time here from Nashville. And it's amazing. It's the, the guy's first class. I tell you. And so you can get that, get the contractual language out of it. Uh, I don't know if it's, it may have the the request for information. I'll make sure it does. And that way you can request things for the hour office time. And we've dealt with that before on this episode, on one of these episodes. And so um, do that. I'm going to put that up, have Jeremy put that up, Our office time. But then I'll get into it after these Memphis cases, okay? We'll deal with that because all these things are coming back stronger than ever. And we're going to keep fighting them. We're going to battle these motherfuckers all the time. And that's a promise from me to you. We will battle them daily. When we get a stronger union back, these things will be a lot easier because we'll educate you more. A lot of these hot topics will continually give you information on how to defeat it constantly. And I'm talking about every station. If you got one carrier or a hundred carriers... We're going to make sure you're educated when we get this new union in here, okay? And we're not going to have carriers out there not knowing what to do, and there's a lot of them that don't have a clue what to do right now, and it's not their fault, and it's uh, it's our fault as the NELC. It's our fault, business agents' faults, um, too busy getting fat online, and they're not out there educating their people like they should be, and uh, it's uh, it's upsetting at best. All right, let's get into this this Memphis case. And I remember I did the episode about it talking about how difficult it was because it was a very difficult, touchy subject. Uh, the CCA targeted this manager, the supervisor. The supervisor they had targeted left or left and went out on a route to help a carrier. While he was gone, the CCA comes in looking for him. And he walks into an office and he shoots and kills the manager and supervisor uh, and then walks out and takes his own life. So the union goes in force down there into Memphis, and uh, we're going to address the environment that's being created. Management wanted to make it all about the shooting, saying, hey, nothing happened within 14 days. We address all these managers, and they try to get the arbitrator to, to believe that this case should be just about the shooting. And we were saying, no, it's about the environment that was created, that led to it. You know, the hostility that that has lived in Memphis since the late 90s when we had an arbitration case way back then. This arbitrator is new. He's never dealt with a joint statement before, joint statement case. Um, And so he asks a lot of questions. He stops us a lot. And you'll hear that. Uh, I edited this out. It's seven hours long, all the testimony. What you're going to hear is about 40 minutes of the postal inspector, okay? but. I cut out about 52 minutes at the beginning, and it's all the arbitrator talking to us, the advocates and the TAs. And he talks about the struggle he's having with this case, and he's imploring us to settle. Uh, Like I said, Jason actually had done his testimony, amazing as always. And so we had about a month. We come back, and this is the second day of it. Well, during that month, the arbitrator's reading the case file, and that's what he's telling us. He said, I looked at this case file. He said, it's too important to mess up. You know, we've got to get this right. He said, I'm going to implore y'all to settle, to get together, to to continue to talk, never stop talking. He said, if I spend however long on this decision, and I'm about to send it out, and I'm five minutes from sending it out, and y'all call me and say y'all have settled, he said, I will rejoice. He said, because this is going to be a tough decision. Uh so what you're going to hear is the the uh postal inspector's testimony. Y'all know how I feel about the postal inspectors. I think they're dishonest. Uh their decisions always sway towards management side. They are never they will never give us a fair shake. This case is a perfect example of that. Okay. Uh Is a two-page, four-page report, and I did. I took exception to it, and you'll hear me take exception to it. Management leads a lot now. As an advocate, you got to know when to object and when not to object. We got a new arbitrator. He's trying to learn things. Uh, He's very skilled at this stuff. He has a lot of lingo. You'll hear him say. One of the biggest issues are postal inspectors are well respected in arbitration. (laughs) And a lot of people just leave them alone. I'm not like that, but the fact that they're uh, professional investigators arbitrators will call them experts at investigating. you will hear this arbitrator say that he gives them, he tells him he's an expert, even though he don't know this guy <laughs> but he he deems him an expert, and so we have an uphill climb. But you'll hear me try to dissect this report and uh, and they keep talking about another report. And you're going to hear me take exception to that, object a lot. And so, but what I'm doing is I'm trying to bait this uh, inspector and management into producing this other report. We've asked for this report, and they continue to say we don't have it. We don't have it. But now they're going to try to address it in arbitration. So I'm trying to bait them into producing this report. And you'll hear the advocate finally try finally say. Let's just get the report. And so I know I've got them. And uh, listen to this postal inspector backtrack about this report when that late when advocate for management says that. He starts talking about, well, it hasn't been redacted, blah, blah, blah. Bullshit. And uh, you can see he starts backtracking, man. He's moonwalking back across that stage like Michael Jackson, trying to get away from this report that they continue to say that they have. They talk about the FBI's involved. I take exception to that. You're going to hear all this stuff. Um, There's a lot of editing. I've done a lot of editing. Management takes about two or three minutes in between questions. I've edited all that out. So, you know, it looks like he's right on top of it. But there's huge segments of time in between management's questions. He's flipping through this case file, which was massive. You'll see that when I'm an advocate, When I get a case file, I'll go over every single word, every single word. And if I have a question about one word of an 1100 page file, I'm going to break it down. I'm going to address it. You'll see me do that with this postal inspector, Okay? about certain words. Also, as an advocate, I'm setting up other witnesses based off of witnesses, if that makes sense. I'm going to ask this guy questions, trying to set up witnesses that they have later. And uh, you'll see as I put these episodes up how that unfolds. And then you'll see, I'll read the decision again at the very end, and you'll hear my closing, all right? And so here we go. It's the postal inspectors coming in there testifying as to his report. And then I'll come in on the other side of it, and then we'll talk about it a little bit on there, okay? So here it is, day two, Memphis JSOV case, first witness for management, Postal Inspector. So here it is.
1: Sir, you Yes. Gregory?
2: Correct. What is your title? Postal Inspector. you have an office that you're out of? Yeah, I'm out of the Memphis Field Office. Memphis. Uh, the parties have asked that all witnesses Sworn. Okay. It's, it's not a question of your, you know, truthfulness and the ferocity of your statements. They just want everybody to be sworn. So I'll do that at this time. Right. Do you swear, our firm, tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So yeah. I do. Thank
3: you very much. Okay. okay. Uh, good morning, Gray. Good morning. Um, can you tell? Uh, just give us a little back, a little bit of background about your experience with. Uh, how you got into, postal, how long you've been in Postal Service and, and yeah. anything, you know, maybe some recent stuff before that?
1: I've been a Postal Inspector for some uh, 16 years. Uh, prior to becoming a Postal Inspector, I was a police officer with the uh, Memphis Police Department for five years. Okay. Uh, prior to that, I was a Special Agent for the State of Tennessee, uh, the department, Tennessee Department of
3: Government. Okay. Appreciate that and appreciate your service. Uh, I'd like to take you on, uh, you have a large case file in there and the, the pages are numbered in the lower right. If you can go to and pull out pages 1,040 to 1,044, okay. And do you recognize this document, Greg? Yes. Uh, can you explain to the arbitrator what this is?
1: This is a uh, assault threat specialty report. Uh, this is a report that we are, are required uh, to complete every time there is a, uh, an incident
3: involving what we call workplace violence, a WPV case. Okay. And are you the author of this uh, report? Yes. Okay. And it's only a couple pages long, and I'm not going to have you read it, but uh, as we go through this, I'd just like to you know, maybe talk about a couple aspects of it. Okay. Uh, can you, t- so uh, I guess turning to the next page, which leads you to what is this report in summary of?
1: This is a, a report regarding the, uh, the double homicide and suicide that occurred at East Lamar Carrier Annex on October 12 of last year.
3: Okay. And were you, how did you get notified of this incident? So I received
1: a text message uh, Well, my boss, inspector inspector, sent out a mass text message to all the inspectors that work out of the Memphis field office on October 12th of last year at approximately one sixteen. and in his text message he told us that we need to respond to the East Lamar carrier annex because he described it as an active shooter incident.
3: Okay.
1: So that's how we got received notification and responded to it. Okay.
3: Were you, uh, were you the first inspector on scene? Yes. Were you the first law enforcement on scene? I was not. Who was already present?
1: Uh, the Memphis Police Department was already there when I arrived.
3: Okay. Did any other agencies get involved in the investigation?
1: Yes, the FBI uh, was involved, uh,
3: and also the ATF. Okay. Um, in the third paragraph down, you, you reference uh, Special Agent Chuck, Grin, is that one of the FBI... Uh, Folks that you were dealing with, correct. Especially
1: there okay. is the lead uh, uh, FBI agent for them. Okay.
3: Again, I, your 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 synopsis is pretty concise. On uh, and the arbitrator will have full ability to go read this. I'm, I'm just trying to uh, focus on things that I would like you to draw attention to that uh, might need something here. So just give me one second. So you had a in this report you have a pretty lengthy summary about your discussion with Supervisor uh, Dennis. Correct. Um, was and I, well it, it's his involvement in, in your discussion is annotated quite well in here, or at least uh, thorough. Put it that way. So ba- uh, I'm on page one, uh, 1043, and then the middle paragraph is are you explaining here that when it's, this is after the shooting play- took place, but when Mission Free came back. He was notified that he may have been the intended target of this Correct. incident. Correct. Yes. Okay. Where Where is that specific? Uh In the middle, par- the second paragraph of ten forty three, um, about halfway down, across uh, down. There's a sentence. He stated, "One of the post employees told him prior to the shooting Haley was looking for him, being free. So Humphrey was the intended target of the of the homicide, but he he had just left." arbitra i i don't i know that you said that you had a chance to look at have, yes. did you go through this part do you know i i, I didn't want to go went, too in depth if you have. i went
2: through all of it and I, and i'm familiar with your report. okay I, I i didn't memorize this though. Right. i mean and i wanted to make sure that i read what he just testified to okay so that's why i asked
3: you so right but, but you you had read that we understood kind of how the incident went down Yes. okay that's what i just want to make sure you had a general understanding how the incident went down
2: but by all means, by all means, put on your case. And if you want to go through it again, that's that's fine with me. i five o'clock in the morning. They took enough time, and I took enough time
3: last time, so we're gonna give you that option as well. Okay. So, in, in your in your report, does it suggest that was Lee normally assigned? who was the shooter. Was Mister Haley normally assigned to East Lamar?
1: No, his home station was Mendenhall uh, Station.
3: Okay.
1: But of course, CCAs, I mean, they, they move around based upon the need of, you know, the postal service. Okay. So if they need some help at a different station, you know, they send them there. So he moved around to several stations, uh, including East Lamar, but Benin Hall Station was his home station.
3: Okay. And Mr. Wilfrey will be testifying, and he can go over a lot of the details here that, that you're stating. So uh, I'll cover that through him. Um, so there was a, a camera system in the facility? Yes. Um, and you give a synopsis of what that provided or what that showed, but it did not show the actual homicides themselves, just the suicide? Or did it even show the suicide?
1: It showed the suicide, not the homicide.
3: Okay. Okay. Uh, 1044 is really, uh, and the last two paragraphs are where I'd like to focus some attention on. Okay. On um, 1044, the second paragraph from the bottom uh, it indicates that the inspectors have begun interviews with employees. Can you just explain to the arbitrator, do, you know, how did, who, how did the scope of that investigation and who you interviewed? Right.
1: So we interviewed every employee at, at his home station, which is Hall, And we also interviewed every employee at East Lamar where the incident occurred just to get an understanding of what type of employee Mr. was. Now, we also conducted interviews from all the supervisors at every station he had worked at. There again, just to get some kind of indication as to what type of employee he was, if if, if it was anything that stood out to them about his behavior that possibly would have indicated that he would commit such an act. Uh, During the course of our interviews, we learned that he was, I mean, he hadn't been on long. I don't think he had completed his 90-day probationary very quiet, very introverted, didn't really socialize with other employees is what we determined. Uh, you know, he was just a quiet guy. And uh, speaking with management, they told us that, you know, he was all intents and purposes a, a model employee, uh, other than some certain facts. They had some issues with it. But as far as him, you know, uh, being uh, unprofessional or anything like that, he was not. Customers or other employees, so I didn't have any issues. With it.
3: Did did you? Did anybody have any indications that would have been like, how did we miss that kind of thing? No. Okay. It also says that there were interviews with at least family members. Can you explain a little bit?
1: Yeah, we wanted to get because you know, family has a different perspective, and they know it intimately. Right. You know, the two sides to. to to people sometimes and what he showed at work. We gather what's different than what his family knew about him. So we wanted to conduct interviews with them to get an understanding of him. Uh, if there was anything about him that would have indicated to them that he would commit such acts. Uh, we learned that he had some mental health issues. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to object to that.
3: Uh, if you look in the next paragraph, it discusses mental health.
0: I'm going to object that because there's nothing in this report saying that he talked to any individual from his family saying that he had mental health issues there's nothing in this report to say that okay, um, okay so i'm
3: going
2: to, I'm going to first I'm going to acknowledge that the drt file was admitted anything. And I'm looking at page 1044, and it says uh, Mr. Berry's report, right? That's still part of your report? Yes. It says at the last line, the narrative of one of the incident reports detailed that a family member informed responding officers that the AD was diagnosed as So your objection is not to that
0: sentence, but what he's saying that he talked to a family member, then they found out that he was had mental health issues. That's not in this report. He, if he wants to testify that he, after his investigation, he went and looked up some report, the narrative of one of those incident reports detailed that. That's fine. But if he's going to sit here and say something outside of this report, then I'm going to object to it. There's nothing in this report saying he talked to anybody, anybody named, any family member named, that said this man has issues with his health, mental health. you have a response?
3: Well, Mr. Arbitrator, if you look at the date of this document, it's 10-13, the day after the incident. This is the initial report. It's not the final report. That is still pending. So there's going to be, and and until that, I, I would argue, and I've had the discussion prior to this hearing, that I think it might be premature that this hearing is actually, con- if the case is going to turn on the shooting, that until we get a final report that might shed light on some of this information, I'm not sure it's to but we don't have that yet, and it's going to be a while, and we'll explain that once we, as I continue my examination, what, when we can expect that final report. But as far as this,
2: okay Here, here's what I'm going to do I'm going to confine, confine your testimony okay, okay to what's contained in this report okay. uh, uh, and that doesn't mean that you have to Mr. Newman just read your report you can give your impressions and your understandings and you know things that was the basis for writing this report Uh, but uh, if it's not contained in here and you hear the arguments and you seem like you're probably a smarter guy than all the rest of us here so the number of positions you've had so uh, you hear what they're saying so just kind of stay away from
3: Okay. Okay. So in the course of the uh, in the investigation you, you did speak with the family members and I think you said all co-workers and all managers and supervisors that work with them? Yes. Okay. And in any of those discussions, did anything come out? Well you know, already fam- addressed the the work issues. So let's look at the next paragraph. And can you just explain to the arbiter what this paragraph is telling us, maybe?
1: That's the last paragraph? Yes, sir. Yeah, so another thing that, that I did was I checked a local law enforcement database that contains local police reports because I wanted to see if he had any encounters with local law enforcement. And I came across a couple of incident reports where he was, uh, what MPD terms as emergency, that means that they took him to a mental health facility for his own protection and for the protection of others because he was having some type of mental health crisis. And that's what this report is detailed. The last paragraph
3: is detailed. Okay. Is, is an incident report the same as a criminal conviction? No. Well, so when we do our hiring, we do background checks Do we check for incident reports or do we check for convictions? check for convictions, not incident reports. So So
1: when he was, uh, when an incident report was filed for his emergency commitments, it's not not an arrest, it's not a conviction or anything, so it's not going to show up in a criminal
2: history. Okay. Okay.
3: And it was in those reports that you discovered the uh, family member quoting about paranoid schizophrenia? Correct.
2: But I want to make sure that I'm clear on this. You're saying that we look I think you used the term we look for convictions
1: not instant right. Yeah, well, I think when the, the system conducts their background investigations I think what they pour is just a criminal history report. Right. So that's not going to contain every encounter with law enforcement. It's not going to have you know, no, but it may have the arrest. Yes, I so, have an arrest, correct. You know, If he's arrested and convicted, that would right. be there. But just in the kind of like, like I was explaining earlier, so, that's not going to be there. So if I were to
2: apply for a job tomorrow, turn in an application, somebody looks at it, is it the postal inspector's office that does that? Or is no. it somebody, is a supervisor that looks at it?
1: No, all the, all the background checks are conducted at a Facility here called the, the CISC. Uh, I forgot what the acronym stands for. Um, it's a service center. And they conduct background checks for every postal employee throughout the country.
2: So okay. they do it there. Okay. So there's a local facility, there's a facility here locally in Memphis Correct. that does it for the, the entire, entire nation. Correct. Okay. And do you, does anybody know that acronym?
1: It's SI? SC. I know service centers is SC. I, I can't remember what the first. But
2: and do you know where that goes to after they do it, the background check? I'm not familiar with their process. No. Does it go to the supervisors? Like I, I'm not
1: familiar
3: with their process. HR gets it. HR.
2: HR within Postal Service. Okay. Narrow that down so I understand. HR within the installation. The HR district. in Washington
3: DC. District. At the district level. Okay. Goes to the district HR manager.
2: You, you, but you wouldn't even have an understanding of any supervisor who received that information. I'm sure at some point they do. But that's
1: just a guess. Yeah, like I said, I'm not familiar with their process. There's processes. no right or wrong answer. Yeah. I'm, I'm not to catch you. Yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm not, not familiar with their processes as, as, okay. as far as where it goes once they, I, I don't know all of that. Okay. Yeah.
3: All right. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, if you would just for a second, can you go to page 53, 54, and fifty-five? Actually, the whole the whole document is fifty-three to fifty-eight. No, fifty-three to sixty. That's one fifty-three. Okay.
1: Okay. Ten
3: fifty-three? Yeah. No, 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 just just fifty three. Oh, okay. Fifty-three to sixty. Sixty, right? Fifty-three to sixty. Okay, Greg. I'm not sure if you've seen this before. Uh, This is the NACI check, Mr. Haley. Have you seen this before? I have not. Okay, Uh, Mr. Uh, So this is when you when they do the backgrounds. This is the report that comes out. that, that does the history. And I'd just like to flip forward to page 55. Okay. And in the middle of that page, under the criminal hi- and offense history for the where Mr. Um, Lee lived, was there any records that were found in this background check? No. Okay. And this, the NACI check, that's what they do when they hire on? Correct. Okay. okay. Thank you. That's all I have for that document. And I may have spoken for you a minute ago, uh, Greg, but what, was I correct? I, I was looking at, at the bottom of the page and actually if you go to the, to the front of this, it should have a date on it. This is dated October 13th, is it not? That is correct. Okay. And that was, th- so this is an initial report right after the incident happens that you get out an issue?
1: Okay. Right. Because we have so many days that we have to complete this. Okay. It's like seven days. Okay. Um,
3: so there, you did mention that FBI was involved in this investigation. Yes. Are they still involved in the investigation? Yes. Do we know when we can expect the final report, maybe?
1: Initially, they told us hopefully by the end of the calendar year. Okay. You know, that's contingent upon other things that they're working on, so it's possibly pushed back to next year, to be honest with
3: you. Okay. And? Is the FBI taking the lead on this? No. We are.
2: So- but you got to have their final report before you make your final report? We requested that they conduct a
1: uh, behavioral analysis of Force. Okay. So that's
2: what we're waiting okay. But short of specific items, and I don't want you to disclose your investigation or your tactics, you know. Uh, short of specific items you may ask ATF and the FBI, you could turn in a report now. You're done with what you've got to do. You have turn in a preliminary report to our management
1: of in, in headquarters, which we have done. Okay. But it's not a final report because it doesn't include all the reports. Okay. Such as autopsy reports.
2: You know, we have to have all of uh, that. The autopsies aren't right again? No.
3: Um, so, going back to the last paragraph of uh, uh, so FBI is doing some sort of behavior analysis. That's WHAT we're waiting on. Okay, would that be in part because of that last paragraph? What was di- uh, what was it disclosed there about the?
0: We're getting way, way off base here. I understand that you asked the question, you answered it. So I'm not going to object to your question, but. You can, but. We're, we're getting way off base here as far as this, these four pages. Uh, you know, it's been nine months or eight months since the shooting, and now we're sitting on, getting in here and testify to things that I cannot prove. I can't, I don't know if the FBI is involved or not. I'm going to have to take his word for it because he's under oath, but we're getting way off base here as far as what this man's testimony should be as far as I'm concerned, Um, you know, it's been eight months, you know, I have no report and now we're going to sit here and talk about a report that's pending. Uh, What's in the report? Psychological evaluation. What was your question again?
3: I was just saying, would it be fair to say that the behavior analysis will be in relation to that last paragraph about his condition? Or would that be a focus of the
0: of the? Well, how can I disprove that? How can I possibly disprove what he's saying? I can't. This is not in the report.
3: Okay. I will withdraw the question.
2: Well, I, I, I'm hesitating. I'm a, I appreciate it if you will withdraw it. Hmm. Um uh, but I did satisfy myself as to what I wanted. Okay. Yes sir. So let's try to stay within I mean I can kinda of understand what he's saying. How how does he know whether to accept or reject a report that's not here that he doesn't even have? uh access to yet, right,
3: because it's not in Correct. So, yeah. Okay. I think that's all I have. Correct.
0: Cool. Where is the Memphis field office for the Postal Service? at? 161
1: East G Patterson Avenue here in It's not in this
0: building? No. On page 1040, it's your report. The incident happened on October 12th. You went and investigated the incident you did some other things. And this report was typed up and sent in the next day, October the 13th, is that correct? Yes. All right, let's go to page 1041. You answered some of my questions already about this report. So you went to the scene and you interviewed all the employees at the scene?
1: We interviewed every employee that was there at the post office at the time. Okay.
0: But none of those interviews made it into this initial report, correct? No. The only one that made it into this report was Supervisor Wilfrey, is that right? Yes. You interviewed family members. Yes. So you say. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. None of those family members made it in this report either, did they? No. So the only one that that we gave access, the only one that you put into this report, given basically carte blanche, whatever he wanted to say was Mr. Winfrey the supervisor. Is that correct? I wouldn't say that. You have to understand this right here. So I personally interviewed
1: Mr. Wilfrey along with Special Agent That's why his interview is in here. You have to understand we had inspectors and other agents from all over the country assisting with this investigation. They're the ones that knocked out the bulk of the, of the interviews with uh, employees and family members. So that's why what you see in this report from Winfrey is based upon my interview. It's just a, it's a preliminary report just to get it done and get it in. So that's why you see Mr. Winfrey's uh, interview in this report. At that time, I didn't have every family member, the interviews weren't conducted. Every employee, it wasn't conducted at that time.
0: So that's why you see Winfrey. So Winfrey's the only one that, that made it in your report as far as the history of the gentleman that did the shooting? Winfrey's the only one that made it in your report. Right. Let's go to 1043. On the third paragraph down, mm-hmm. stated Winfrey described as a quiet individual who kept to himself. He said he didn't recall Dortch or Wilson ever reprimanding Haley. But Mr. Winfrey did reprimand Haley. Is that right? Let me see. Well, you wrote down, he said he didn't recall Dorchel Wilson ever reprimanding Haley, but Mr. Winfrey did tell you that he did personally reprimand Haley,
1: right? I think he corrected him on, on a certain issue that he was having. So he told you that
0: he reprimanded. That was your words. He reprimanded Haley, is that correct? I'll take it to it. 1042. It's the first paragraph on the on the page, about halfway down, you see at twelve PM. He stated, I'm gonna go after that. He stated when Hayde arrived back to the post office, he verbally reprimanded him for leaving the DPS mail. So Mr. Wembry did acknowledge that he did verbally reprimand Mr. Hayley, is that correct? Yes. Okay. Let's go to the next page. Ten forty four. Okay. The top paragraph We'll start that second sentence says, the video footage depicted how he throw down his cell phone next to the west wall and walk towards the south side of the facility where he briefly encountered another postal employee, possibly Eddie Woods. Did you talk to Eddie Woods? I didn't personally, with another uh, rescue. Dude. Okay. But Eddie Woods didn't make it into this report either, did he? No. You testified earlier when Mr. Conklin was talking to you that you have turned in a a report since this report. Is that right? Uh, my boss forwarded up a preliminary report to our headquarters. So that would be right? There's another report besides this report? It is a preliminary report, correct. Do you know who has access to that report? The last paragraph, Inspector and that that's you, conducted research is a local law enforcement database and located two MPD incident reports in 2013 and 2016 involving mm-hmm. handling. Both incident reports stated that he was placed under emergency commitment and taken to a local health facility for mental evaluation. And in both instances had attempted to harm himself.
3: Neither one of those reports
0: made it into this report either, did they? The narrative, I'm going to continue on, the narrative of one of the incident reports detailed that a family member informed responding officers that he was diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic. Do you have anything from any family member that made it into your report substantiating that sentence right there? No. Do you have anything from any doctor substantiating anything about Mr. Haley having any mental disability? Not in this report. None of this report. Why would you put that in there then, if it's unsubstantiated? Why would you feel the need to put that in a report, because just to, just hang on, just a preliminary report, something that's completely unfounded? It's not unfounded. It's
1: an MPD's incident. Is it report. in here that is founded? It's an MPD's incident report in the narrative of their report. So is that so in it's here? Got some of, of unsubstantiated. Hang on. Okay. What I, that I put in this report is what was an MPD's incident report, the narrative of the report. Okay. That's not that's that's true. It's in the narrative of their report, so it's in here. I didn't see it. Can you show me where that report's at?
0: The report itself is not attached to this. Okay. Why would you put something in this report completely unsubstantiated about Mr. What? What because, benefit because would that be to this report? based upon the nature of what happened. It's important, given the type of investigation. That's why. But it's completely unsubstantiated, is what I'm saying. So you put nothing in this report to substantiate what you wrote as far as him being a paranoid schizophrenic. You feel it's unsubstantiated, I don't. Okay. So you you believe that based off this report, you've proven that he's a paranoid schizophrenic? I didn't, I didn't say
1: that. I said what was it that's in all I have the to say. The narrative start. of the, M- M- the you, incident sir. report is what I put in here. That's what the officers were told. That's what they were told. And that's what I put in here.
3: You were asked if you had any medical evidence from a doctor, or, uh, and you said not in the report. Do you have evidence supporting that? Yes. Thank you. Nothing further. I,
0: I want to see it. I want to see that.
3: It's in the final report. That's what I'm saying. I, I want to see that short. in report. That's what we go by. I want to
0: see that, Mr. Robert Trayor, in this report. That was it. Uh, you're not saying that anything in that report on page 1040 1044?
2: It's something that you would rely upon as an absolute certainty that you would go to court on. Correct. The only thing I put in here is what... Just your preliminary investigation. Correct. So if I told you Bigfoot was running up and down the road at the time of the shooting, you would put that in there too? I would
3: put it in there. It may or may not be true. Mr. Arbiter, as this is just a preliminary report, to follow that up, I think that it's important that you know, and that's why I think there should be a little leeway, since we don't have, that he can just confirm if there's something on that that diagnosis is confirmed.
2: Wait
3: Then well, I, if this becomes an issue, then then I would I would seek that. Since the union is challenging it, let's get that preliminary. Is it, would, is that addressed in the preliminary report? Uh, yes, it is. Now, the
1: preliminary report, like I said, I don't know who has access to it because what happens is our headquarters waits for the final report. They redact. Another thing you have to realize is that a lot of information that's in there is protected by the grand jury, so they go through and they redact certain things before they turn it over postal service All right. All right. so they're not going to hand over our preliminary report because it hasn't been redacted there's a lot of jury material in there so they're not going to i mean they're not going to turn over the preliminary report to the postal service it hasn't been redacted it's not the final report well
2: look we kind of got to go with what we got and we have a DRT case file that was admitted into evidence, right? Your report on page 1040 to 1044 was admitted into evidence because it was contained in the case file. Your testimony has been important here today because you clarified different parts of what that means within your report. Uh, you can testify as to your, or I should say, he can testify as to his understandings, you know, as a postal inspector. Obviously, he's an expert investigator, you know. And by the way, if there's any question as to that, I'm going to declare it right now, sui sponte, that you're expert in investigations, okay? He can, he can testify along those lines. What went into uh, his investigation, right? Hmm. But I doubt that we can extend that to say, and I doubt that the witness would want to for us to extend that to say he's an expert in determining whether or not someone's a paranoid schizophrenic based upon information he receives, right? Am I right? <laughs> if so, you can ask him, are you aware of a medical report that says A, B, C, D? Was that part of your investigation? Mm-hmm. Right? So. But but I think I would tend to agree that we should keep out any information where he draws conclusions. Yes, sir. So, okay. Uh, okay. I can do that. Now, what value that has, I don't know. It's your case. but. Explore
3: that a little bit. I'll, I'll give you a little bit of leeway. Okay. Did your investigation obtain the medical records of Mr. Haney? Yes. Did the medical records support the findings that you alleged were alleged in the no, MPD? No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> did- take, take your time. It's difficult. I'd have to do the same thing.
2: If I a question.
3: Without you making a judgment, did the medical records? Was there a diagnosis of paranoid schizophrenia in the medical records from a physician? I'm
0: going to object to that. I know if you have your opinion. But if I can't see it, if I can't look at it, I'm going to object to it. I, I, it well, at least let it go at face value. This, this is all I have right here. Okay. But look. But look, look, look,
2: look, look. The entire... I want both y'all to understand, okay? The entire... report is based upon information that Mr. Newberry collected from others, right? There are certain things contained in there that may even suggest that it's conclusive, right, the way he writes his report in his particular manner. I understand what you're saying, but that does not necessarily mean that it be it's being weighed as conclusive, right? Y'all understand what I'm getting at? Yes, sir. Okay. So you can ask the question, right? And he can say, yeah, there was information out there, but the the of fact he's going to weigh that right I'm going to weigh that I I don't have a report to conclude right so I don't know what value it has for your case but I'm going to allow him for that purpose to say yes that this initial report one day later included knowledge of is that right some medical record that was out there, okay? Are you a doctor? No. Okay. Go
3: ahead. Okay. Did we just not answer the question I was asking, and maybe we did or didn't. So the the medical reports that you had, what you saw in the reports was a clinical diagnosis of some sort of paranoid schizophrenia? I'm
0: not object to that. That's, that's not what he wrote down here. I he wrote that. down here. You can that, and then, you know, that I'm all Go ahead. That's all I have. Go ahead. Go to 1044. Did on the last paragraph, did you say that a medical doctor said that he had paranoid schizophrenic or that a family member stated he had paranoid schizophrenia? Family member. Okay. That's, that's all I have. Okay. Yeah. Okay,
2: well I want to clear that up. And there was a lot of stuff going on here. And none of us wants to be down there on that end of the table, okay? Uh, you're doing a good job. Uh, but I don't hear that. When you said that you you saw or you knew uh, medical records out there, that doesn't change with his question, right? You still would, your answer's still the same. Correct. Okay. So it's that plus what he said. Correct. Okay. Is that, is the medical records contained in your report? Yes. It's specifically referenced that I looked at medical records in it. Okay. Yes. Back to your report. Oh. <laughs> 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 Nothing. Okay. <pretty>. Anything further? <laughs> 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 All right. uh, thank you very much your excuse
0: All right, so there you have it, the postal inspectors. You saw that it got kind of tumultuous there a little bit. It kind of got heated. Um, I'm always going to protect the union, but I'm more importantly going. To, I'm going to protect the carrier. Even though what this carrier did was terrible, heinous, anything you can say, it's, it's that. I mean, he took the life of two innocent people. Uh, they they got ready for work just like you did. Came into work that day, and he took their life for no reason. And then uh, took his own. So three families absolutely shattered because of what he did, right? Uh, it's appalling. I'm still going to protect him. And you saw me go after them trying to say that this, this gentleman had mental issues, mental health issues. Uh, even though he's deceased, I'm going to protect him as much as I can because he was a brother of mine. And so uh, that's what I did when when I took exception to him putting in the report something completely unfounded, like this guy had uh, mental issues. And uh, it was put in the report solely for the purpose to persuade or sway someone that's looking at it. He had no business putting that in a report. No business. It was completely unfounded. And I took exception to that, as you could tell. But uh, that was... uh, That was very heated inside there. The Postal Inspector did not like me at all. And you could tell by his posture when I was questioning him, he did not like me. And I don't give a damn, right? Because I don't like them either. But anyway, that's the first episode of Memphis. I hope you enjoyed that. And we'll do uh, the second episode next Sunday. And a couple of witnesses there, they won't be as long as this one. And then the formal A, It's forever long. He's about two something hours. So that'll be maybe the fourth episode and we'll do my closing. So hopefully enjoyed that. Let me know what you think about that. And uh, we'll do it again next Sunday. Y'all have a fantastic week. I love each and every one of you. Again, you don't have to agree with me. I still love you. Those people that said that about me on Facebook, I love you still. And if something happened to you, baby, I'd be the first one in line to kick somebody's ass for you. And that's just how I am. I don't get my feelings hurt. I have no pride <laughs> and I'm here about that business and, uh, the business of protecting you. And that's what it's all about. So you can say whatever you want to about me. Just know that when shit hits the fan, baby, I'll be first one in line. All right. Y'all take care of yourselves. Have a great week. And I love y'all very much. All right. Bye.